And we are your hosts for today's broadcast, following top news stories of the day. Good, great, grand, wonderful. I have a bad feeling about this. What ain't no country I ever heard of? They speak English and what? It's the good, the bad, and the what? Lost your train of thought, didn't I? <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good, The Bad, and The What, the show in which we dissect what makes a movie good, bad, or other within a certain theme, category, subgenre, or filmography. I'm Ryan Oliver. And I'm Chris Thomas. Chris, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing just great, Ryan. How are you doing? Doing good. You, you got everything? You looked like you were looking for something on your I desk. I had a water <laughs> bottle, and I don't know what I did with it, so oh, we'll see I'm how a, that goes. I'm a, like, beverage hoarder at the moment, currently. <laughs> I got the I got the beer, of course, well, yeah. um, and then I got a regular water bottle, and I have an electrolyte water bottle. Oh, shit. All, <laughs> all here, ready to, ready to go. So, I got your Brondo. I got my Brondo. Um, but yeah, I'm excited uh, this week. We're, we're back... I guess one one little bit of housekeeping or housecleeping if you've been a long time uh, listener uh, trademark uh, good bad what copyright twenty twenty three um, is that uh, I know I think we said this was episode was coming to the Patreon but you mm-hmm. will find it on your main feed here and uh, I think we've decided all but five minutes ago so don't hold <laughs> us to this entirely but. I think we're probably going to uh, pause posting on the Patreon, so we will likely pause it. So if you are a subscriber, um, you won't get charged. Um, mainly because you know we we love you, we love you who support us, uh, which is great. But we also want to make content for the widest uh, audience possible. So if some of it's under a paywall and not a lot of people are doing it, then hey, you know, hey. That's all I got. I I, I got. I, did, I didn't prepare a speech. Uh, no. Well, like you said, we kind of landed on this like five minutes ago. But I mean, like, I I feel like we went to we went to the Patreon as like a well, you know, we've released enough episodes. This is usually how these things go with podcasts that we listen to and whatnot. But there's also podcasts that we listen to that have uh, a bit more uh, like production behind yes. them uh there, there's usually teams of people that are uh putting these out or at least like a, a dedicated sound engineer and it's just us uh just every us. week putting this we together just, um we record our iso recordings and a backup zoom call in case yep. somebody we don't got a merch corrupted. store we, we don't, we, we don't go we on sh- tour uh we know barely we don't even have a, a twitter page uh because fuck twitter it's like we we don't yeah. do all of the usuals <laughs> that you would expect out of your podcast and so we're not going to do the usuals uh I, I mean i don't know i won't speak for you but speaking for myself i mean i've been doing this podcast it's great to put that out and i'm i'm very grateful for anybody who spends the time to listen to anything that we publish and put out there but really i like doing this because it's an excuse for us to get together and hang out and shoot the shit and talk about movies that we love and some movies that we hate um and it's a good time and i enjoy doing it so if anybody wants to ride along you know thank you for riding along as you said ryan uh we love you we appreciate your time we appreciate your patronage um but you know we just kind of like you said want to scatter this out anybody who's interested in movies and and loves movies and and wants to be uh part of the conversation uh welcome and uh we don't want to prohibit anybody even if it is just a dollar 
Agreed. I could not say it better. So I'm not going to say any more about it because that was the, the most beautiful uh, eulogy, uh, for, both beautiful eulogy for this uh, short-lived Patreon, but also just like, I agree, I love doing this with you. So if anyone listens, period, it's a it's a bonus, really. It's right. just an excuse to, to talk about movies we love or in the case, movies we hate. And today we got a little bit of both. Uh, we do, say, yeah. yeah. Um, but as you'll probably notice on the, the episode title here, we're back with another crop of new releases because boy, oh boy, they just keep coming mm-hmm. they keep coming in hot and and they're things that we've wanted to see uh so much so i think there's even more things that both of us want to see that we have we'll have to do to. another one of these episodes in january we probably will we we talked about doing the iron claw potentially was mm-hmm. another one you and i both want to see but we haven't got a chance to see yet um but uh we were back with three uh i've seen a bunch of others by just your virtue of award screeners and also ha- having children so i've seen movies <laughs> that chris probably wouldn't have even thought uh twice to go see or thought once even to go see so uh but i can save some of those for the end but i think the the movies we're going to discuss today a couple new releases um we'll just get into it we're going to discuss it's a wonderful knife uh which is directed by tyler mcintyre that is available on shutter um then we're going to talk about godzilla minus one directed by takashi yamazaki uh, and that is still in theaters, and uh, we'll get to it when we get to it. But like, if it's still playing near you, do yourself a favor. Um, so even if you stop the episode now, just want to do yourself a favor, please go mm-hmm. see it. Um, and then lastly, but certainly not leastly, uh, we are going to be talking about Poor Things, the latest film from mutual favorite, current running filmmaker uh, Yorgos Lanthimos. So, um, but I guess before we get into those, let's start with "It's a Wonderful Knife." Um, this was sort of a Hail Mary pass. Yes. Uh, y- y- uh, you texted me yesterday because you, you were only going to have time to make it to the theater to see one movie, which ended up being Poor Things. And mm-hmm. you're like, hey, we should get a third movie to round this up. And you picked It's a Wonderful Knife being it's a holiday slasher, which right. we've that's in our wheelhouse. 100%. <laughs> uh, like we've, we've talked a lot about Chris, Christmas horror movies. So it's like it would be odd if we didn't talk about the new Christmas horror movie that's out mm-hmm. there. Um great title of course it's a play on it's a wonderful life what like how has nobody done it at this point like kind of shocking that it took 83 years for that to happen but right uh, here we are um and you wrote a synopsis here uh which is a year after thwarting a killer spree jane played by winnie caruthers wishes she was never born and is faced with the consequences of a world without her um kind of similar to another movie we talked about recently the totally killer yes um, a lot of, a lot of similarities between that one uh the writer of this movie is michael kennedy who wrote the movie freaky yep um the the body swap horror comedy um which apparently um i can't quote be quoted on this because the person who said this also said, don't quote on this, but uh, heard this from a friend. I was okay. reading Letterbox Mutuals, and it was a review from um, from Justin DeClue of the Important Cinema Club and No mm. Such Thing as a Bad Movie, and said they had heard through somebody that at one point, because this movie did play theaters briefly before it, did, it hit yeah. Shutter, it had a brief theatrical run, and uh, apparently the movie was initially going to be way bigger budgeted and directed by Christopher Landon, who directed Freaky and who directed okay. the Happy Death Day movies um, and who, well, I was, and was going to direct Scream 7, but he recently departed the project. Um, yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine why. R.I.P. Scream series. <laughs> but uh, um, 
but I guess it was going to have a bigger budget. But I guess in the contract clause, which would make sense before they kind of got abandoned and the project got slashed in the budget and a different director did it. Uh, the theatrical release was probably in the sc- in the clause when the screenplay sold. Oh. So it was it, it had to be fulfilled. To my, again, this is just what I read. There's no sure. real source. So don't quote on this. Um, but I guess with all that said, all that background, what did you think about It's a Wonderful Life? It's fucking crap. Um, and I... I don't know. This might put me in in the, the the minority because I looked at my letterbox mutuals after this movie finished. I like you know punched in my review and then looked at everyone else's and saw a whole lot of four stars, five stars, people uh, three star and up that people were mostly positive on it. And I I cannot fathom that we watched the same movie. I I I, I literally cannot understand and i know that there have been times in the past on the show where i've talked about like you know i can be a bit of a curmudgeon i can find sticking points in movies that really are big hang-ups on me that i cannot get over that no one else in the audience seems to have a problem with mm-hmm. and i can accept that i can accept that like okay i you know may have been in the wrong state of mind i uh, you know probably put you know too much emphasis on this being a problem for me and if i would have been able to overlook that i would have been able to enjoy the movie more I cannot see that with It's a Wonderful Knife. And it, it may be just the baggage that the movie has being sort of like a knockoff of It's a Wonderful Life or or a play on the same um you know mechanics of the movie It's a It's a Wonderful Life, which that movie's a, a fucking classic for a reason. Yeah. Um and it doesn't handle those elements well at all um it could be a bunch of things that i find really wrong about the movie but i cannot for the life of me understand how this movie is enjoyable um (laughs) and i i I don't mean i don't want that to come across as me being like a prick if you enjoyed the movie okay i'm glad that you enjoyed the movie i want everybody to enjoy things as much as possible but just speaking from my own perspective wow what a terrible movie yeah i i totally understand because i did not like this movie either i maybe didn't dislike it as much as you did but i didn't but i didn't i didn't care for it and sure um i i think a lot of that stems from a, a few things in, in like i'm right there with you in that like um i was kind of baffled by the reviews again i don't want to review reviews i'm happy right. people seem right. to be into the movie um but i was sort of like I, that kind of got me to watch it in the first place because i was sort of like i think i'm tired of like these high concept horror comedies like like they they've you know i I feel like happy death day really set the bar for that um Mm -hmm. and And even freaky that you mentioned earlier the same writer did i liked freaky i watched it recently on a flight freaky's solid yeah Yeah. i liked freaky better than this and you know similarly the director christopher landon did the happy death day movie so it's Mm -hmm. like i feel like that i feel like that's the it factor maybe missing in this movie because i feel like on paper this isn't a horrible idea necessarily no but i feel like the movie is sort of just directed without a lot of like urgency and it's like it's both like lackadaisical and clumsily rushed at the same time like i don't know how that happens but like that's the most thing i like i was like i kind of enjoying this one it's a hangout move hangout movie those are the best parts i liked about the movie um but I'm like, I'm really not enjoying the plot mechanics of it. And then the movie sort of like forgets about its plot mechanics until it has to remember them again. Mm-hmm. And I, I did not really, in, in I, I didn't enjoy it. I think I'm just sick of these type of comedies. Um, you know, part of that's on me. 
but other mm-hmm. part of it it thinks i just don't think it's executed super well um there there you know it's not without some merit um you know of course the villain in this movie is justin long um who, justin nice, long innocent justin long innocent yeah he's yeah. he's he's swinging he's swinging for it um yeah. and and i can't knock him for that uh because somebody because somebody has to um because as we talked about via text earlier it's not joel McHale. <laughs> um, oh my god no joel McHale <laughs> slept walked through and and that's i don't know that was something that i maybe realized about joel McHale when watching this movie is that and you even texted me that you have not really you know watched community we i think we've talked about it on this podcast before you, you've not yeah. really watched community and i'm a big fan of community i used to watch the soup uh on oh, network um, yeah, he too. even has like a similar show that's had like a short-lived run on on uh netflix and his delivery of being sort of a smarmy um uh uh a budget version of ryan reynolds um he can pull that off just fine but then mm-hmm. unfortunately in it's a wonderful knife he's asked to emote um Ooh. and be angry or be hurt or mm-hmm. sh- like do any of the and he cannot do it he delivers it with the same a plum and enthusiasm that he does a segment of the soup yes. and it doesn't come off comedic because it's not played that way it's still played seriously so it's just like you are completely miscast in this role well and it's weird because it is a horror comedy but i didn't really sense a lot of comedy in it except for the stuff from justin long yeah like you know yeah. who who's very like he's he's appropriately hamming it up for what the movie calls he's like a he's a he's a a uh real estate he, he's basically like owns this town this small mm. town that they live in he he's the uh mr potter he's a mr potter yeah i was gonna say mr potter i was also gonna say max max shrek from Batman oh Returns. sure yeah. uh definitely channel a little walk-in from from that movie yeah. um especially the, batman yeah <laughs> bruce wayne uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's not growth it's a mild swelling um <laughs> oh man this movie needed walk-in that would have that would have elevated the movie entirely any Um, movie that walk-ins in true but um the lighting of the tree ceremony there was one of these that reminded me exactly like batman returns the like uh wish i could hand out world peace oh but you can oh but you will um this is now a batman returns episode uh thank you for listening um but Justin Long is appropriately hamming it up and his father was like the nicer person was like really like built the town on the backs of the family mm-hmm. but he's some Gen Z like attempting to be like a Gen Z TikToking like uh like he he's he's basically one of those like hustle culture accounts that you see on like Twitter or threads be like by 30 you should like yada yeah. yada 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 yeah yeah he's like one of those people he's like a uh, Andrew Tate uh sort of oh yeah that's a asshole. good comparison yeah. he's a piece of shit like that um yeah. so automatically a character you are not rooting for um but he's appropriately giving the movie more than he's getting in return that's for mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. um but essentially, uh, what ha- and he's the boss of Joel McHale. Right. Um, he's making him work Christmas Eve and all this stuff, and and then there's a killer, um, and I don't know if it's in the trailer. I don't know if we want to spoil. I don't really know how much we even want to talk about this movie. Really, um, 
I want to spoil some shit because okay. it's, it's specifically the writing and the plot that I, okay. infuriated me. Well, then I'm going to say spoilers from here. I'm going to say I don't think either of us would recommend nope. it, but like there are like minded people to us who have liked the movie. So if it does sound like something you want to see, go for it. It's on Shudder. Uh, so if you have a Shudder subscription, it's not going to cost you anything but 87 minutes if you don't like it. Then right. that, that's about it. So, um, but there's a killer on the loose kills. Um, kills his the cigarette smoking uh, man because cigarette smoking man from the x-files uh, which you well, texted the, me all excitedly about i did yeah i heard his voice <laughs> first and i was like no way that's the cigarette smoking man that must that guy has to be like 106 and then they cut and show his face i was like holy fuck is the cigarette smoking man and i called megan into the room be like look who it is she's like i don't know who that is <laughs> I, had to, like, I had to explain why i was excited but the um, the setup oh, is is he's uh, I don't know if he's already the mayor at this point, but basically he's, uh, you know, hustle culture. He's a real estate guy trying to sell a bunch of property and he's trying to buy up all these old businesses and old houses and stuff and put in like this new, like gentrified neighborhood. And the last holdout is the cigarette smoking man. He's he's Ed Begley Jr. And yes, with muscles. yes. <laughs> oh, fuck. Back he's 100% Ed Begley Jr. Yep. It's that same plot. I mean, other than, there's no there's no diamond mine underneath the town to oh, our knowledge. Shame. But I know uh, it's weird to spot where I'm like, I think I'd recommend Santa with muscles <laughs> over this movie, which is a weird thing to say. But I think I might. I'm right um, there with you, honestly. So, so yes, he's buying up the property. The cigarette smoking man is the last holdout. Uh, so he murders him. And then he murders... Is it the brother or a friend of our lead character? I can't The brother remember. of the lead character and a friend of the... And I, I believe the friend that is murdered is the, the granddaughter of the cigarette smoking man. So Right, they, that's right. So so they're take both the lineage murdered. Kind of thing. But then uh, Winnie, our hero, uh, kills this slasher before they can go any further. Mm-hmm. Um, and oh, sorry. Revealed... He attempts to murder Winnie's brother and Winnie that's puts a stop to it. Yeah. Yes. Well, because that's important. Important in in air quotes, depending on where you're. But like, but, the, but that comes into play. It is a in... part of the plot. It, yes. It's a part of the plot of the movie. So um, that's right. Kills a friend. Tries to kill the brother. She stops it. Kills the killer. And it is Justin Long who is the killer. Yes. Um, and a year goes by, and um, she is like not regarded as like a hero. She's seen as like an outcast because uh, you know, everybody in the town wants to forget that it happened. Yes, and exactly. her dad, and... who is Joel McHale, um, and her brother start. A, a, a like a uh, family real estate business in the uh, in the gap that Justin Long has left now that he's not like the big real estate hotshot. Yes, they start their own family business that and is they're now doing very super well. successful. Yeah, yeah, they're super successful. They they now live in a much larger house than they did in the previous Christmas. Yep. Um, and her, his brother gets a brand new truck for Christmas where she gets like the jammy from the Christmas story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's like Christmas story pajamas. I didn't even put yeah, that kind of together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's that. Um, so she's just like, she feels outcasted because she's just like, she's like, does anyone want to forget? Like, no, like everyone wants to forget, but she's like, I can't remember. Cause she's the one who literally killed him. Right. So she's and her got best PTSD. friend got killed too. So yeah. she's like this, like, why is everybody ignoring what happened? Exactly. And then her boyfriend cheats on her with a friend of hers. Too. Oh yeah, she goes to the party, and um, that's right. And then the girl who they all call weird weirdo, um, um who's uh, is that? That is a uh, Bernie, or is that Gabe? Bernie, I can't. Bernie, okay, played by Jess McLeod. Yep. Um, 
and so Winnie ultimately decides to make a, a, a wish that she wished that she would never was born. Um, and which is the, uh, yeah, the George the, Bailey. It yep. It's, yeah. it's that. And sure enough, the wish is granted. Um, and come to find out that it's, it's even though she can't forget, she doesn't want to forget. And she's got all this PTSD. Uh, now more people have died, including her brother. And uh, she tries to go meet the parents and um, Joel McHale. This is the, the aforementioned scene where he tries to emote. It was like, I have no kid. Yeah, I like, have no children. Get out Ooh. of my house. Like, It's rough. Oh, I it's can tell you're rough. real frustrated, Joel McHale. Uh, no, I, and I think for me, that is the crux of the movie. The thing that I really had a problem with and just could not uh, grasp or get over is the whole thing in It's a Wonderful Life with the 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 whole setup is like the last 30 minutes of the movie is when George Bailey goes to the alternate reality with Clarence. Like, like if you haven't mm-hmm. seen the movie in a while, I watched it every year. So I just watched it a couple of days ago. Um, sure. But like the whole like Clarence, your guardian angel and going around the town and seeing how life would have been different without George Bailey. That's the the last act of the movie. Like we meet George as a young kid and see him save his brother. And then we see him um, uh, stop Mr. Gower from putting poison in the pills accidentally. And then he almost killed some people. And we see him um, like just saving people and making the town right, saving the banks, like standing up to Mr. Potter. And so then when things fall apart at the end there, we care about George Bailey. We care mm-hmm. about the town. We care about yep. the townsfolk. We hate Mr. Potter. There's a reason why we're rooting for George and we're on his side. So this movie instead is like 30 minutes in, we do the George Bailey. And so then now everybody forgets about her. And everything that they set up in the first 30 minutes of the movie, uh, unlike It's a Wonderful Life, where the people in the town are jubilant and and nice they may be like you know downtrodden or you know fallen on bad luck and george needs to step in and help them out but they're ultimately good people yeah pretty much everyone that we meet except for weirdo fucking sucks all yes. of them are fucking terrible and then when they she are. makes the wish that like oh i've never been born they continue to be fucking terrible and mm-hmm. she still doesn't have a relationship with them and so then like we don't really get an alternate reality of like oh what a terrible thing that she doesn't exist to the point where she even has a conversation with joel McHale of saying like oh um i went to school with your son um and i remember uh you know a, a year ago when he uh, was a quarterback on at the school and he uh you know was, uh, was uh, second team all state and he had a game last year where he threw six touchdowns and um th- you were so surprised that you dropped a hot chocolate in your lap and joel McHale recounts all of this is like yeah i remember all that too and so it's like Instead of there being George Bailey not born, ripple effect, people are destitute, uh, uh, Mr. Gower accidentally did poison those people, becomes a drunk, and he's like the uh, the town idiot, and, and no one respects him. People's lives are changed drastically. There is fucking no change from no. her not ever being born. So, like, you, like the, the main crux, the main plot point that you are cribbing from It's a Wonderful Life you not only didn't use correctly you didn't use at all yeah and that's why i meant like the the comparison to something like totally killer was more apt because they they do through all that same 
crap of like same well there's no re- well there is a ripple effect i guess at the end of that movie like minor spoilers not gonna detail mm. but at least something had happened where like nothing happens in this one and the same sort of shtick of like she goes back in time in that movie and she has to be like she knows all these things but has to try and explain her way around right why in she an knows 80s those things. way of being in like an oh, 80s way yeah and this one's that same way of like i gotta explain these things because these people don't know that i exist um and i was like and I didn't know how I felt because I was like, this feels less try hard than something like Totally Killer. Because sure. like, Totally Killer felt like tried to have like the hip sort of like dialogue and that didn't always work for me. But I'm but this one, I'm like, what's what's the substitute here, really? And it's like nothing, really. It's sort of just sort of flat, you know, I think it's less try hard because it's just not trying at all. So then it, it, <sighs> yeah. that's, it, it, like, it doesn't feel like there's any effort. It's resting on the laurels of like, you remember, it's a wonderful life. We're doing that but you're not like you, you introduce the element, but then you don't use it. And it becomes like a standard uh, uh, Nancy drew teens. Got to stop the killer sort of thing. And we, we get a bland. I mean, even the killer is just a white sheet with a featureless white mask. It's literally just a, like we couldn't think of a, a, a design for the killer. So it's literally nothing. It's a blank canvas. You can cast whatever you want. Like it's super unimaginative. They will do the usual thing where, like uh, like you said, there's hangouts, so characters are sitting around talking, and then they'll go like, oh, we haven't had a kill in a while, so let's cut away to some, like, D-list character that doesn't even factor into the story at all, have a kill scene with some CGI blood, and then we got to cut back to the hangout. And so, like... It's like, like Feeders 2. It's, it's like, like Feeders 2. It's, it's like the cockatoo in fucking Citizen Kane, where it's just like, oh, the audience is falling asleep. Let's get some CGI blood in here real quick so we can keep the momentum going in our 80-minute uh, movie. But yeah. the... They... Uh, it, uh, like, all of that to say... They introduce all these elements. They don't use them very well. Uh, there is a, a slight thing that they sort of change towards the end in regards of like alternate reality that you're in here and something that they don't explain very well. So uh, because she in this alternate reality where she was never born, she never killed the killer. So over right. the course of that year, the killer has gone on to kill 27 or 28 people Um and Justin Long, one of the people that was killed was the sheriff. And Justin Long appointed his dipshit brother to be the new sheriff. So basically he can operate with impunity. And yeah. he's very obviously still behind the slangs that are happening in the town. But we're not introduced to a town that is cowering in fear. Or a town that even seems to really acknowledge that there is just a fucking maniac running around that has killed 30 people in a year. Which is yes. fucking crazy. Like, it, it, like it, if you look at... Most prolific serial killers uh, in the United States. Uh, sorry to dogleg into this, but like if we're talking about like Green River or something, who killed like seventy-two, I think people. Uh, that was over the course of like eleven years, mm-hmm. and it, like it was you know ten here, ten there, and it was like spread out over several different counties. We're talking about we're introduced to a small town where everybody knows everybody, and thirty-ish people have been brutally stabbed to death over the course of a year and people are still like throwing Christmas parties and no like oh we're having like our Christmas get together in the square where we're gonna light the tree and nobody seems to to pay attention to any of this and our characters are aware of it but nobody seems to care and then when they understand like we're introduced to okay I made the wish the Aurora Borealis lit up got really bright and then I ended up here 
so then the weirdo character is like oh uh the aurora borealis was brought about because the spirit of justin long uh because he died a violent death caused the aurora borealis and then that's why you're here so in this reality you need to kill justin long again to go back the other direction to your universe which is like wiggity woo magic that the movie needs to use for its own internal logic to get the characters in places i get it i can sort of like forgive that being like sort of messily set up what i can't forgive is that towards the end of the movie there's a confrontation that happens at the town square where the townsfolk are standing zombified watching justin long go over a naughty and nice list for everybody in the town and our characters show up and they're like like we need to stop him and the townsfolk are just dumbfounded staring at the stage and he straight up kill like justin long kills his sheriff brother by stabbing him in the throat and then they dress him up as like the the serial killer and raise him like crucified in the air townsfolk don't do anything and there's like this element that's introduced where Justin Long, for some reason, has like mind control powers and has taken over everybody in the town to be his mindless drones. But like up until this point in the movie, there's been no element of like invasion of the body snatchers and the townsfolk are doing his bidding or that they're turning a blind eye really like other than the fact that nobody's acknowledging that the killings are going on but none of this is set up at all now we're just here and they're watching him murder a person in front of them and nobody has any reaction to it and i'm really curious about what may have been written originally and what may have been talked about originally because this scene is super messy where they get called up on stage where they confront Justin Long, at his bidding, he's like, you know, bring them up here and has his security bring them up there. Then they punch him in the face. The security doesn't do anything because Justin Long is like, oh, I can handle this. And then they start, it's like at the end of Death Proof where the girls surround Russell, uh, Kurt Russell and start kicking the shit out of him. Oh, yes. They're taking turns, just punching him in the face repeatedly. And the security guards are kind of standing there, just hands in pockets, being like, wow, this is crazy. And... <laughs> <laughs> they punch him, punch him, punch him, punch him, punch him, punch him. He falls off the stage into the crowd of people. And then we get a bird's eye shot of him on his back, like Uma Thurman in Batman and Robin doing like a curses. And then the, the townsfolk rush in on him and start grabbing him. And he's like, ah, starts screaming. So we're thinking like the townsfolk are, you know, the spell is broken or whatever. They're going to rip him apart now that they see that he's, he's weak and he's been defeated. Um, nope. There's a cut. He gets back up on stage for them to then kill him on the stage. And then we get a shot of the crowd like blink hard and be like, oh, 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 where, where was it? Like a daze is broken. And it's all cut together so quickly. None of this is set up whatsoever. It's all resolved immediately with like no effort from anybody at all like there was never a point where you felt like anybody was in any real danger and then the movie just sort of limps its way until the finish line and it's it's so unsatisfying that like the the penultimate we're going to go up against the big bad guy you show up and you introduce new elements that have not been part of the movie about the big bad guy and then it just resolves itself with no effort from our main characters and yeah. this is, and it also has nothing to do with it's a wonderful life or that whole element of you being in an alternate reality and never being born. Like none of that factors into the resolution to the plot. 
So it's just, it's annoyance on top of annoyance on top of annoyance on top of annoyance of just a lazy, lazy script. And it, well, and it makes me wonder too, like, sure. I mean, but it I also makes me wonder if there's some truth to that, the budget being slashed also, like, it makes me wonder if there is like connective tissue here, like whether or not it would have helped the movie is, you know, who knows because mm-hmm. we didn't see that version, but it's like, the fact that none of it really connects together is wholly unsatisfying. And it makes me wonder if they just hacked it down to like, I would say to the bare essentials, but even then it doesn't make any sense as right. is. So it's, it's a really annoying, frustrating movie. And uh, there was so much potential and it's yeah. just not, not there. Well, like you said, uh, like the idea on paper is not a bad idea. I could totally no. see this being like a, a fun thing. If the plot element that is like, if we're going to look at the the writer's other movie, Freaky, that used the body swap element so well, perfect. Yeah, like it's it's so well done. Is there like I, I don't? It's hard for me to to be like he's a bad writer because he's not. I can look at other work that he did, another movie that he wrote that I liked a whole lot, and use that element very effectively. And he has another movie that's coming out that is using. Another time travel yeah, slasher I element. Saw that. So I, I looked too to see. He appears know. to have found his wheelhouse, but yes, yeah, which Christopher I, I have Landon to think is there was producing. Yeah, for sure. And Christopher Landon's producing that movie also, the Happy Death Day and Freaky Director. So okay. I don't know. Maybe there's some hope for for that one, just with his involvement. Because, like you said, yeah, Freaky Freaky uses the body swap super well. I also, I mean, part of it's also, and it's like, I don't want to uh, be too mean to this uh, Jane Woodop. I don't really know her uh, that well. Oh, I know Winnie Carruthers? Sh- yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know she's in that show Yellow Jackets, which has a big following. I've never watched it, um, oh, but I know either. it's supposedly really good. Um, but like, you know, I, th- I think the script for Freaky is really solid. I But I also think no one here is performing the way Catherine Newton or Vince Vaughn do in that movie. No. That, like, no one's on that level, except maybe Justin Long, um, who's only in the movie sparingly. Yes. So um, I, I think that that's another part of it. And I just, like, I'm not familiar enough with Tyler McIntyre's other movies. He did a movie called Tragedy Girls. I think he, too, has carved out, like, mostly that horror comedy stuff but it's just like i i don't know it's it's as we mentioned i don't remember what we talked about recently but we said like horror comedy is such a hard thing to pull off period mm-hmm. um so it's just like oh it was santa slay i think we talked yes. about where it's like it's such a hard thing to pull off and so it's like i appreciate them trying to walk that tightrope and pull it off because it's like more power to you if you can it's a it's a high reward but it's like it takes a lot and uh, i just don't think a wonderful knife has the juice to do it i i know there's another one i think it came out last year christmas bloody christmas that's supposedly pretty good I've is heard. that the one with the robot that goes haywire yeah it yeah. is but i, I don't like it. that it's i don't like list. that director so i i'm like mm. okay. <laughs> both 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 as a person and as a filmmaker so um, okay we'll just keep it mom i guess but uh I don't know. I've heard people say it's good, but I'm like, eh, I don't know. I'm skeptical because I really, really hated the other movies that this well, filmmaker have done. But maybe we'll have our bad for for uh, a next year episode. Or, or as you uh, uh, mentioned, and and you know, maybe this isn't the time and place to, but I know we've talked about doing an episode where we just pick three movies and we'll sort it out at the end. So that yeah. might be a prime fodder to for, for something like that. To be honest, yes. Yeah. 
Because I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it turns out good. But I know. But I can say for certainly it's Wonderful Knife. Not good, unfortunately. Um, no. So can't recommend it. But again, nope. it's on Shutter. If you want to, if you want to see it. It's and if there. you think I'm wrong, fucking at me. Like I, I yeah. again, I still don't understand how I hate this movie, but so many people <laughs> seem to be either be like fine with it to like really like it. So I would, I would love it if somebody were able to come back with like, well, you missed a plot point where they did it. Like that's very possible, and and let me know if I did. Yes, absolutely. Please, please do let us know. But uh, yeah, I, I think, but I'm right there with you, Chris. I, I, I. Uh, it took every ounce of my energy, and if I was quiet on this episode, on this portion of the episode, I apologize. It's mostly left my brain because I watched it a couple <laughs> weeks ago, and uh, well, I, I, I also really went on a it. bit of a tirade there, so <laughs> apologies hey. for like the ten-ish minute nonstop rant that oh, I had. You don't need to apologize. Like I said, <laughs> I, I was like, I was, I was trying to even remember the movie. Like, like I said, it's, it's, I don't remember. It's it, that I it weeks memorable. Ago. It's, it's, it's that. <laughs> that good that three weeks later you five stars apparently according to letterboxd uh, uh, <laughs> five star movie uh, it is not um <laughs> but a movie that is closer to five star movie it's yeah ticks considerably up. um let's let's swing into it let's talk about godzilla minus one hell yeah yes fuck yeah um <laughs> uh do we want to start with the plot synopsis i mean it's it's godzilla it is yeah i mean we don't need to go too heavily into the plot about it i i like the minus one refers to being set a year before the events of the original i yes right like some roughly Um, roughly yeah roughly um and so it's literally the it's the end of world war ii like world war ii just ended Mm. um and and you know japan is feeling the effects of hiroshima and nagasaki which of course godzilla the original was born out of that sort of like nuclear fallout of that yeah you know a metaphor for the country dealing with that uh so it's it's you know things are in shambles and uh as you pointed here a surviving kamikaze pilot um i mean that's key there he's a kamikaze Mm -hmm. pilot um who never fulfill you know who's seen as often he's a, a surviving kamikaze, yeah, he's a surviving pilot, kamikaze so. so he's 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 when he returns like you know he's it which is such a ah oh man uh so good like that mm-hmm. that whole sequence of him returning you know because people don't really know like people are angry and sad and upset and rightfully so and so but i mean to take all that anger and that hurt and you don't really know what to do with it. So just because he's a face of somebody who served in the war and survived and, you know, didn't do his job because he survived. Right. Yeah. He's like immediately belittled um, from <laughs> from the start. Right. Well, and then the neighbor, uh, like that's such a like a, a fucking bummer scene of him like returning home dude. to his bombed out neighborhood, finding out that his parents died in the fires uh, of Tokyo. And then the neighbor being like my children also died in the fire and then her being like you're a kamikaze pilot you shouldn't be here and maybe if you would have had the fucking balls to do your job then my children would have survived and it's like it like first off incorrect um yeah plenty of people in uh, world war ii kamikaze themselves that was not the deciding factor and 
most people at the time uh, in Japan even understood as kamikazes that wasn't gonna the, when the the supply lines were completely devastated they were not going to win that war um they were killing yeah. themselves for misplaced honor misplaced sense of honor and it didn't do anybody any good but no of course that's not what's being represented here in the movie and i i mean one of the things that the movie does really well is sort of gives like a redemption arc of for our main character and sort of like the redemption of sort of the spirit and the heart of of japan in the wake of such a devastating loss in world war ii right and and people who and showing people who's you know about like a character for example who like served who kind of knew even though you know they there was there was a fear driving their decisions to not like perform their kamikaze duties but also distrust in the government and yes. that's sort of like that it's sort of like a there's kind of a revisionist history element with this movie of sort of like the scientists and mm. the the surviving soldiers sort of getting together like you said winning one for like the spirits and right. so not on behalf of the government but just on behalf of the people right um so it's like you know i'm not well versed enough to say because i know there's been some talk or pieces to be like you know this movie rips however also like let's consider the propaganda element behind it yeah as well which fair but also you know you could say the same about like you know if we want to put the shoe on the other foot i mean both these movies i'm about to say are my favorite of the year or some of my favorites of the year but it's like you could say the same thing about oppenheimer yeah also uh which is like is sort of there's a a really somber kind of perfect thematic triple feature from 2023 alone like to watch in order uh for, like surrounding world war ii which would be jonathan glazer's the zone of interest mm. um and then oppenheimer and then godzilla minus one yeah like kind of a perfect yeah triple honestly. feature to be honest yeah you get you get the really fucking bummer movie um <laughs> but the course of the events of that movie set off oppenheimer um you yep. know and then the course of events of oppenheimer set off godzilla minus one so yeah which there you I mean, go <laughs> one of the movies is purely fiction it didn't actually bring about a giant uh dinosaur that <laughs> no exactly and i mean zone of interest is also a whole lot fiction. of metaphor yeah and, and zone of interest is like historical fiction like yes. it's it's rooted in something real but it's it's uh, you know, too real um yeah. coming well, I was saying coming soon to good, bad, what near you, but maybe just coming soon to discussion. It's a great movie. But I, I know I need to see it, but it's one of those ones where it's just like, I can't plan anything for the day because I know it's going to yeah. be devastating. And you have to I, take the day off work yeah, or like, or see it on a weekend. Do it on the weekend, just but just like, know that I'm going to bed yeah. early that night. <laughs> Basically, because it's such a fucking bummer. But, um, but yeah, this, and so, so our, our kamikaze pilot, and I love the other thing is not just like the scientific community and winning one for the spirit, but it's also about like finding solace in sort of devastation because like the, the sort of neighborhood does ultimately like come together and yeah. sort of his family, he sort of puts himself at a distance because of like the PTSD and the fear that he has, but it's like his family is entirely makeshift where he meets a woman who has a child uh mm -hmm. who's not her child but the, those parents were killed yeah and so she's taking care of the child um and then the woman who basically spits in his face ultimately becomes sort of like the like the like the a babysitter surrogate essentially like sur mother, a surrogate uh, mother to a certain yeah. extent yeah absolutely um and so they they sort of rebuild the community uh he gets a job 
high paying government job. Uh, there's a reason it's high paying because it's got a high risk, which yep. is basically which is going out and getting all of the mines out of the out of the ocean. Yeah, the Sea of Japan. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, like the Sea of Japan. Because um, there's a bunch of mines, both that they had set and also enemies uh, in the war had sent, and mm-hmm. so. Um, which is just fantastic. I think, like, I, I got to borrow your quote because it's 100% accurate. It's hard not to think of it. Uh, I think you wrote on Letterboxd, like, hey, you got your Jaws in my Godzilla movie, and I fucking love it. Yeah. Because uh, there's so much Jaws in A this movie. A ton of Jaws like, in this movie. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's one of the best Jaws knockoffs I've ever seen. Like, right. maybe the best knockoff I've ever seen. Like, it's... It's it's definitely up there. I mean, this one and Blades, I think, are probably, like, neck and neck. <laughs> You know, this, Blades, Piranha, the first Piranha. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, no, it's 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 fantastic. Like, the, every one of those scenes are the most intense damn oh, yeah. things. Like, uh, especially because you're, like, it's already dangerous to be roaming around there. It's like, if you swim in the wrong spot and it's like, you just trigger one of those mines. Like, you're gone. You're, yeah. You're gone. You're done. And so when they like even that. talk about they're on like an old wooden rickety boat, but that's because there was ally bombs that were magnetic. So if you went by yes. with a steel hole, it would zip to your ship and blow yep. the shit out of you. So well, like, yeah, his contract said something like, oh, they we have these special like uh, uh, I love that. They're like we have these special like boats for safety. And he gets there and it's just a rickety boat. Rickety like, old oh, wooden know, ship. Is, they're like, it is for safety because it's not going to shouldn't in theory trigger mm-hmm. a mine to go off. But it's it's uh, but he's just like, uh, I don't know if that's what I signed up. For. But then as we see, uh, it's yeah. not enough protection from the titular Godzilla. From Big G. Yeah. Big G shows up and uh, and then it is not well. Big G shows up earlier in the movie because yes. our pilot gets a glimpse of him because he lands at a safety zone. Basically, the war is about to be over. Like mm-hmm. Japan is going to surrender, um, and he gets eyebrows raised there of just like you know him saying his ship was broken. But then they're like, oh, there's really nothing wrong with your ship. Like, what are you doing? here mm-hmm. um and same thing where it's like they they ask him to go to his ship to try and distract uh godzilla and uh and he doesn't do it and most of that camp ends up dead right uh so um but yeah the mines are not enough to protect from godzilla uh who just is just like at his most reeking shit in this movie because it's like he's not this is not benevolent protector godzilla or no. like or like ambiguous you know this is this is the 1954 like pissed off i am gonna wreck any and everything in my sight and it's also Um, for being a modern movie it's not the like most recent like monster verse versions of like godzilla versus kong uh he's not moving around he's not doing wwf moves and and rocking shit through buildings he's still standing upright moving slowly doing his old school godzilla shit um which i love the the portion on the island that's at the very beginning because in the original godzilla um godzilla just sort of shows up in the night in the middle of a rainstorm and starts wrecking shit nobody really knows what's going on and they sort of slightly reveal the monster until you get like the later on shot of him poking his head over the hill and like, but like we th- there's no explanation godzilla is just there and this one sort of has a callback to and i just had to go check with my wife because she's the resident godzilla expert of the house and so if this is incorrect 
blame my wife. Uh, she doesn't listen to our podcast, so I can say <laughs> this just fine. Uh, but the I believe it was Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, um, where there is an element where they travel through time. And in the movie, they travel back in time to World War II, where there is a fight going on between um, the U.S. Army and the Japanese Army on this small island. And then out of nowhere, they get ambushed by a rogue Tyrannosaurus Rex. That's just oh. on the island. And there and there's no explanation as to like where the fuck did this thing come from? But that's sort of the origin story of um of Godzilla is that there was a T Rex that lived on this remote island in the middle of nowhere in the Sea of Japan, and then when they did the uh the bomb testing of Bikini Atoll, the radiation from that caused that Tyrannosaurus Rex to grow and become Godzilla. And so that's sort of the setup that we get here is that on that island at the very beginning of the movie, it's like a Tyrannosaurus Rex-ish creature. It's not quite a T-Rex. Attacks yeah. this this uh, regiment that's on this island. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's much smaller in that sequence, which is, is kind of great. It's, mm-hmm. it's sort of reminiscent of like uh, the Lost World. Like it, mm. it reminded mm-hmm. me of like, like that, you know, but um, uh, at least in the modern like remixed, I'm sure that had a play going into that but uh, reminded me a lot of that, and then yeah, later later on in the movie, once he merges into, I mean the whole the whole point is to not let him get to Tokyo. That's right. the, there's a ticking clock element of like he's headed towards Tokyo, and we got to not let that happen. Um, well, and there's an excellent explanation of you know like if he's such a major threat, why aren't the militaries just attacking him? And they're saying like we cannot mobilize the Japanese military because first off we got basically de-armed after world war ii because the mm-hmm. allies are like you know we're not going to give you a bunch of fucking weapons uh you yeah, we right. were the just US at war with them. you yeah um, exactly but then they were also saying that the u.s army isn't going to step in because they can't have a bunch of battleships from the united states going into the sea of japan because that's going to antagonize the ussr and that's going to escalate the cold war so like there's a great like real world explanation of where japan found itself in post-world war ii era which is like no aid is coming in to help them because if it does, it's going to piss off this other big superpower and they just find themselves in between these two squabbling uh, nations. And when the threat is Godzilla, the the only thing that stands between them and utter destruction is this old rickety wooden boat that's like, go out yep. there in the ocean. We understand you're probably going to fucking die, but you just need to buy us time. Just delay whatever this big creature is to make sure it doesn't get to us in Tokyo. And the fucking reveal where they show the two wooden ships that are working in tandem to take out these mines and Godzilla comes up from under it and destroy. And then we see like sort of the sheer size of Godzilla in this universe for the first time. It's yep. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> it's so good. Dude, there's a couple moments that had me like hooting, both hooting, hollering, cheering. And then like, you know, we don't need to get into too much spoilers that I want people to go see the movie. But yeah. then like weeping, like the movie's genuinely oh, sure. emotionally affecting. Like the, there's a reveal at the end of the movie where I'm like in the wrong hands. This would be corny as shit. But I'm like now I'm like a puddle because it's like <laughs> it was so well earned. Yeah. Um, But the whole destruction of the city where our kamikaze pilots like, you know, girlfriend slash like not defined but like ultimately he's like uh love interest love interest he he keeps people at a distance because of this you know fear that he has beat the ptsd exactly but like when when you see the train like sort of like oh yeah when he wrecks and the train is like hanging by a thread like that 
and then also like had I, I had like two nerd moments because that's when they put in the that's so good but then like but then like i i was cheering during like the sort of like once they get the plan together and it's starting to come together against godzilla in the sea and then they bring out the bump 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 i was like oh so many classic nods in this movie that i like me i would like look over at megan every time one came up and i like i could see that she was smirking and kind of like squirming in her seat and I was just like, I, I, I like the Godzilla movies and a lot of them I like by proxy and I've seen by proxy because I've watched them with Megan and she, yeah. I know, has like loved the series. So like seeing so much of this iconography that I've really caught up with in the last, you know, seven, eight years or so, mm-hmm. like it was cool to see sort of this all smashed together, but then also sort of relating and being like, oh, she's loved this her entire life. This has to be a fucking riot for her. Oh, absolutely. And, and then to do it and to do it in a way that's like, like it's like fan service as we're saying for some of these things, but it's also like they're not distracting. No, the way that a lot of bad fan service can be, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, um, you know, they're all things where it's like even if you've never seen a single Godzilla movie, I think this movie is still palatable to somebody as a as a, like a war movie, as a drama, mm-hmm. as a thriller, like as a disaster movie. Like I think this movie functions. It's like those little nuggets are great for people like Megan, right. who are like big fans of the series. But it's like they don't they don't distract. You know what I mean? Right. It's not like you know. It's not like. Uh, Neither here nor there. I just watched the new Hunger Games, the prequel oh, to Battle yeah. of Songbird and Stakes last night. I was going to talk about just quick hit at the end, which like was good, but like, and it's barely minimal in the fan service, but there was a talk about like in District 12, like one of them talking about mm-hmm. these flowers, like, well, I like the name Katniss of these flowers better. And I was like, get the fuck <laughs> Fuck <out of> you. <laughs> <laughs> like tomorrow I was like, I was enjoying this movie and I still enjoyed it, but I'm like, get out of here right. <laughs> that is so lame versus this it's like all little things and it's all like but it's uh oh, chefs it's done so perfectly well and it's, it's so one of those well things done. too where like i i think we watched uh uh godzilla godzilla versus king Ghidorah for uh one of our older episodes when we did sort of we smashed through a bunch of these movies so yes, maybe you did. do remember that portion of that movie where they traveled back in time went to that island and had that whole and thing that's, that's a high era godzilla movie yes. right like that's so that's a 90s one yeah. okay that's what i thought because i remember you being i think you picked it as the bad i yeah. want to say and it's i was like good. i was kind of no it's not but it was like but it was like dumb fun i yeah. found it fun if i remember correctly but sure. yes i do remember that i do remember that part of the movie <laughs> oh and that's i mean at least one of the, like the silver linings for for uh godzilla movies or big monster movies like this is like even the ones that are bad are fun to an extent because it's a big man in a rubber suit smashing miniatures because you so, have all the miniatures uh, that, right. that's the movie that had the the guy on the roller skates is yes. that the roller blades yeah okay i remember that i remember yeah. that yeah so like this stuff there but then even like of course if you haven't seen godzilla versus king Ghidorah and you see the tyrannosaurus rex attack and the dudes on the island this is just yep. plot set up for you and it's still totally enjoyable but then for the people that are in the audience going like oh shit i remember that old godzilla movie that this is referencing there's an extra level of enjoyment for them and so that's the type of nods and winks that are in this movie that if you're a fan of the series there's just that one further piece of enjoyment but i mean like as as a monster movie as a disaster movie as you've said it's fantastic yep one of the things before we we 
dog lick out maybe we'll throw this to spoilers because i don't want to spoil this for people who haven't seen the movie um definitely go watch it i think we're both highly recommending please Godzilla do minus please one. do i i would say i don't want to sound hyperbolic and i haven't seen every like i've seen a lot of godzilla movies over the last couple years like especially that episode mm-hmm. when we when we were prepping for godzilla versus kong we watched a ton of of both showa and Heisei era godzilla movies so it's like i've seen so many more um i'm I want to say this is the best Godzilla movie since Ishiro Hondo's 1954 original. You may just I, I really, right. I really think it is the best I'm, Godzilla I'm struggling movie. to find one that I would put on the same level of it. And and when I, I finished I it, I was I did turn to Megan and I was like, I think that's probably the best since the original. I I think so too. Like, there's a few I like. I like uh, Destroy All Monsters. Oh, yeah, I like of Ghidorah, course. I like Ghidorah the three headed monster. I like. Uh, I like Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla from the Heisen yeah, era. Yeah, it's yeah. really good. Um, but like, but I think this is the best one. Well, and a lot the of them, as we've said, like the the corniness or like the over the topness or even just like the the utter destruction of the miniatures is the enjoyment. Like, if we're going to talk about whole package of having a great story of having a great human element, which is usually what gets so lost rare. in the Godzilla so movies. Rare to have a good one. I, like it's fantastic and, and like you said and, yeah. and also just like the whole and again we're gonna get into spoilers so spoilers 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 but like the the whole idea of like let's use gas canisters to cause bubbles around Godzilla to sink him to the ocean floor is straight out of the original Godzilla like that's yeah straight up out of the so it's just like you're you're paying homage to the originals but keeping it uh updated and keeping it relevant and like mm-hmm. the, the I mean, honestly, it's sort of a soft reboot or or like a, a long gap sequel or like not really like it, it's it's, but it's a prequel too. like it, it's it's odd, but it, it's but playing like, with the timeline a little bit. But I it, like it just does it so well that I was not hung up of being like, it's not a rip off. It's not a remake. No. It's not like it doesn't fall into the same trappings. It's its own story. And I like you said, in terms of like the series, which is a lot of movies and including the more recent like Adam Wingard uh, American movies. Yep. Which a new, a new one on the way. New one on the way. April. Godzilla X Kong, the, the new world or whatever it's called. Yeah. Which, yeah. Honestly, I saw some people on social down on it. Like I saw the trailer and I was hooting and hollering. I'm yeah. like, look, look. Sure. Is it going to be better than Godzilla minus one? No, absolutely no. not. But like. How awesome that we can still have the metaphorical somber Godzilla and have it be so good, and then they can give us a brawl picture and right. I'm like there day one also like right. it, it, it looks fun. Plus, Adam Wingard got to make it solely because he made a lot of compromises for Godzilla versus Kong, and it became one of the biggest monsterverse movies. So, if he gets to make the movie he wants to make, I think it's going to be kind of awesome. Yeah. Uh, so oh, I'm, there I'm excited, for it. <laughs> and yeah, we'll probably talk about it. Yeah. When when it gets to that. Point. We've talked about enough of them on this goddamn podcast. (laughs) We got to do it. Hey, I mean, and we've talked about the guest. We can't not, we cannot talk about, we cannot let an Adam Wingard, Simon Barrett and Dan Stevens reunion fall by the wayside. We have to talk. We still got to talk about your next at some point. We do. I don't think I've seen your next since I saw it in the theater. So Mm -hmm. I definitely want to give it another shot. But, uh, Yes. Before we spin out, I wanted to get to spoiler. So if you haven't already skipped forward, now skip forward. Look at the show notes uh, to know when to skip forward to our discussion on poor things. But I wanted to get into the discussion about Godzilla himself or herself. Yes. It's not as clear in this one. Uh, but 
it's the, pat it's, it's godzilla's <laughs> androgynous <laughs> Uh, um speaking of disasters uh <laughs> hey the so this has happened before and in godzilla in terms of the the powers that godzilla has uh fire breath mm-hmm. uh you know fucking shit up with with uh his tail um can somehow do a, a double-footed drop kick that zooms forward through space uh like yes. uh, they did against uh, uh king kong but and then like <laughs> nuclear breath and th- yeah. they've all taken different uh forms i think in shin godzilla was the one where they uh, uh they, they like pinpointed the fire breath into a blue beam that was able to like slice through things like a mess yes. um that shit's cool as fuck but i think for my bottom dollar this version of godzilla has the coolest fucking nuclear breath Attack. The atomic breath? They're, yes. Because you... it's a literal fucking atomic bomb. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's cool because we've seen, there have been ones in the past where, and it's definitely like, it was a matter of limitations at the time where they were like, well, Godzilla will open their mouth, they'll do the, and like, yeah. it'll do like a fire breath. And then we have like a, a squib blow up and it, like it blows up a piece of a miniature, or blow, like a, this building just explodes. And so the implication being it shot a fireball and it did the thing. And, in recent ones, like we've gotten in like the Wingard universe of like, and it like shoots yeah. like a, a, a straight blast that's able to slice through things and blow them up. But in this one of like a, a charge that shoots spines out of its back that mimic uh, Dude, like the, the, the um, not basalt, uh, the, 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 the pins in like a nuclear reactor that they would put down. In order, oh yeah, like yeah, I can't remember the elements. I can't. I don't know the name, but I, I right there with you. But and and just shooting up its back as it like charges, shoots those spines out, and then shoots a beam, and then it's just a nuke of like blinding white light, and then and just utter destruction of everything around it. Was just like that is the coolest fucking shit <laughs> i've seen in it's any cool. of these movies it's cool and genuinely like terrifying yeah. and it's like we've seen 20 or more godzilla movies at this point where it's just like i know what that is capable of and i was still shocked right by that happening like and it might just it, be it because like it's directional in the other ones where it's like if it's facing you and blowing a blast like that's gonna that's gonna suck that's gonna fuck everything up that's in that's in its way but it, yeah. it's you know contained to wherever godzilla happens to look it shoots and just destroys an entire city in one blast. Yes. It's just like, it oh, does. fuck. Okay. <laughs> this is the first time I think I've ever, like, both been, che- like, cheered that and have been, like, terrified of yeah. it. Yeah. Like, I think of, I think of, like, the Gareth Edwards one, the first, like, the 2014 one, the first of the Monsterverse ones. I remember, because I went to a press screening, so it was a full screening, when he grabs that Mudo by the throat. Yes. And just blows the atomic breath down his throat and rips and then just his head like, off. hucks its carcass <laughs> yeah the, the audience like went nuts rightfully so oh, yeah but this one i was like i was both like that's awesome and terrifying at the oh. same time <laughs> oh i had a, i had like a, a gleeful like smile on my face but was like in utter shock and again like yeah. same with me like everybody in the audience was dead silent and I think other people definitely there found it cool I know Megan did but we were also just like that's cool as fuck but holy shit that is yeah. fucking scary. Like that thing can do some <laughs> devastation, and w- unlike anything that we've seen it do in other movies. So like it, it was, what a way to up the ante while also keeping it cool as shit. 
it's awesome and and again i just want to praise before we we move into poor things here i really just want to praise the human story of the movie mm-hmm. because i think it's really exceptionally well done and and we don't get it that often no. in these movies i mean even the i watched a couple episodes of the monarch legacy of monsters that's oh. on apple tv that's all about the human story and even then i'm like i can't i couldn't care less about any of this like uh, so i stopped watching this the series and i was like this is a whole series dedicated to the human element and they're blowing it whereas yeah. this one's like really really somber really well done um like i could not recommend it enough like of all the sort of like blockbuster spectacle movies out in the holiday like you owe it oh. to yourself to go see this yes. one. Like, this is the one you should make time for and go see. Oh, yeah. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your ancestors because they would be upset if you didn't spend your time on this earth going and watching this they, movie. They would not. And I think Toho was even shocked, like, to the point where they just now sent out FYC screeners because they're like, oh, we're just going to put it out. And then, it, like, it's doing super well at the box office. Good. And, like, the reviews are super strong. They're like, oh, shit okay um so like here you go here's an award fucking rocks it's so because it's awesome it's so good uh-huh. i i know i i voted for it in a couple categories good for seattle film critics international film and then visual effects and right. then uh i think action choreography as well mm. um so super well done please go see it um it's awesome before and, we pivot out uh, one more spoiler I know that we want to get to poor things, and especially you want to get to poor things. We'll have a lot to say about poor things because that movie yeah, also probably. fucking rocks, but for completely different reasons. But before we pivot out, we were talking about cheering moments and the human element. I yes. I loved the whole setup. So we get the whole scientist showing off. We'll take these canisters, shoot air, sink them to the bottom of the ocean. What if that doesn't work? Okay, well, we have this guy who's a top scientist, and he has these flotation devices. So if the, 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 the quick descent... And the, the, the crushing uh, uh, pressure of the deep ocean doesn't kill Godzilla, then we'll ascend him so quickly that it will burst his blood vessels and then that will kill him. You know, what if that doesn't, like, how are we going to lure him? And, like, they have all of these different things covered. And we, we see, like, this big talk and everything. And they're like, okay, well, we need to lure him into the Sea of Japan. How are we going to do that? Well... We have a recording of Godzilla's roar. We'll put it through the speaker and we'll blast it out of the ship and it will lure Godzilla into the Sea of Japan following this ship thinking that there is a rival predator that he needs to attack. And so mm-hmm. then, we're like, okay, we understand this guy is going to, to fly the ship and he's going to distract him and everyone's in their places and let's go. And we show everybody moving towards the ship in the morning. We're ready to get out there at dawn. And then we just see flying through the air is this fucking cruise liner just from off screen and just crashes through a building onto the shore and then over the radio uh godzilla got rid of our decoy ship <laughs> it's like from the very beginning everything is already fucking broken and I, like what like first off what a brilliant way to like not only raise the stakes but take the stakes and just drop them like your plan yeah. from the very beginning is kaput Godzilla is arriving way sooner than you thought he was and he got rid of your decoy doesn't give a shit about it you're all fucked but then just like that that image of everyone just kind of turning and looking up and the ship flying from off screen like making it yeah. like we both lean forward we're like yeah <laughs> it was it's the coolest so shit I've seen in the movie all year oh it's so good so so fun and really well done please again if you haven't gotten the drift yet please go see oh, it oh yeah it's, it's so really good, good. Um, but yeah, in a movie you should also please go see and see it in a theater. <laughs> please go see. Don't go see it with your parents. 
I, well, I I, don't know, I just recommended it to my parents. Should I not have done that? Well, your parents are different than mine, I would think. I would not recommend this to my parents. I guess it's fair. I did watch The Favorite with my dad and my stepmom. Oh, I, I would not watch The Favorite with my <laughs> And they've seen The Lobster, but they didn't mm. like The Lobster. They liked The oh, Favorite, though. Okay. They liked The Favorite. So uh, I, I recommended, <laughs> trepidatiously recommended uh, Poor Things. Mm-hmm. Um which is the latest from Yorgos Lanthimos, which is I, I, safe to say maybe one of our mutual favorite working filmmakers today. I need to go um, back through Killing of a Sacred Deer, but literally every other Yorgos Lanthimos movies I've loved. Yeah, I pretty much have too. I think my least favorite is Alps, the movie he made after Dogtooth. And even oh, I've then, not I seen Alps, still, so okay. I'd still recommend it. Like, it's still worth watching. Um, but like, you know, I love The Lobster, mm-hmm. love The Favorite, mm-hmm. uh, love Dogtooth. Love Dogtooth, and, yeah. And uh, boy, oh boy, did I love Poor Things. It is one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, if, if, if I could just do the sicko's yes meme in like audio form and somehow drop that's it. That's our synopsis. Upset, that's, that's the synopsis. That's my review. Um, I mean, it is uh, it is based on a book, which I do. Now I want to read because I'm okay. very curious. It's like a book from 1992 or, uh, written by Alistair Gray. And then the screenplay is done by Tony McNamara, who wrote The Favorite mm-hmm. um, with Yorgos Lanthimos. He also created that show. Oh, God, what's it called? It's on Hulu. Like the best, the greatest. It's got Nicholas Holt and Elle Fanning in mm. it. And it looks kind of like The Favorite, like the Victorian kind of like period piece stuff with like vulgarity peppered into there. Uh, OK. Kate watched the show and it was like what I've seen of it is pretty OK. Um but this is like, as you put in the synopsis, this is like Bride of Frankenstein, but way hornier. Yeah. And way th- and way thornier also, because because yes. uh, especially like so. So essentially the movie is about um, I don't remember her name prior to death, but it is uh, about this woman, Bella Baxter, who's played by Emma Stone in just a ferocious, <laughs> fearless, go for broke performance. <laughs> all the way around yes she is phenomenal in this movie um but she's she is a uh i guess are we getting i don't know what's a spoiler and what's not i haven't seen the trailer for this movie so i don't really know Uh, what the the trailer doesn't really give anything away other than they show uh, emma stone is like they just show her as being strange. I don't even think they give a background of her being reanimated. They, I don't think they give anything away about it being like a Frankenstein story. Okay. So maybe this whole discussion will just be a spoiler. So I think the whole thing is a, a spoiler. I think we'll start by saying that we both highly recommend watching Poor Things, but understand who you're watching it with. That's true. There's a lot of like uh, very... Uh, very sexual. Yeah, it's very graphic in its sexual uh, nature. If you wouldn't um, watch The Wolf of Wall Street with them, do not watch Poor Things with them. Uh, that's a valid point. I think this movie is even filthier than the Wolf of Wall Street. It is in certain <laughs> in certain respects, maybe not in in its language, but definitely no. in its sort of depiction of of, of sexual acts. Yes. Um, no, absolutely. I'm actually shocked. This isn't a spoiler. We're going to get into spoilers. Is uh, uh, the Yorgos uh, what what I'm coining one of sort of Yorgos auteurist stamps is the uh, unsexy hand job. <laughs> this movie does. This movie. 
both Killing of a Sacred Deer and The Favorite have it, yeah. incredibly unsexy hand jobs in it. That's his Tarantino sho- trunk shot? <laughs> That's his trunk shot is, is the unsexy hand job. And this movie does not have it, which is shocking given the amount of sex that's in this yeah. movie that no one gives an unsexy hand job. I was I was shocked. I'm like everything else, like the fisheye lens and those like tracking shots. Oh LA, boy, the fisheye lens. I was like, Whew. oh man. But talk about used to a benefit oh, sure. of like, you know, Pilgrim, which we talked about on a previous oh, episode. Oh, God, um, yeah. But uh, I was shocked. I was like, how is there no unsexy hand job in this movie? What are you doing, Yorgos? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he just has so, sexy Yeah, I guess. I don't even think. Is there even a hand job in this no. movie? No. I don't even recall. Like, there's just, just full, full. No, it's, it's just full, full, full penetration. It's just, you know, <laughs> who likes that? <laughs> Not Bella in certain instances. <laughs> no, more no, people. God, no. Uh, we'll but uh, so we'll get into. Uh, so I guess, yeah, we both highly recommend this movie. But essentially, she is a uh, we see her acting strange, but she has the at the start, the brain of an infant. Uh, She she had. So it is a reanimator situation where she had uh, committed suicide by jumping off of a bridge and she was pregnant. And uh, this Dr. Baxter, uh, it's uh, Godwin. Okay, I was trying to remember because I know she calls him God, uh, who's played by Willem Dafoe. Um, who's fantastic. Everyone is fantastic in this movie. I like we'll get into each person. He's so good in this. Um, and so he's like a, he's like a professor. He's a scientist. He's also a professor. He's basically the, uh, who's the scientist in South park who makes the five assed monkey. <laughs> Cause he's basically that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's good. Like he combines animals. There's like a goose pig and like a, a, a duck sheep. Like, uh, like that's the first time they showed one of those cross animals, I was like, "Oh, it's like the five ass monkey." Yeah, five ass monkey. <laughs> but uh, he, so he puts the infant's brain into Bella yes. and reanimates her. So she is a woman, a full grown woman on the outside, but with the mind of a, a, of a child. child at the start, uh, which makes the movie automatically really provocative and thorny. Um, because the movie kind of really immediately gets into this sort of like sexual explicitness of like, you know, at least where she's at developmentally, she discovers like masturbation far too young, mm. um, which sort of sets off her curiosities right. of the world. Because her body also, is more developed than her brain is. Yeah, because so. her body, like, it, but because it brings like really, you know, questions the mor- moral compass of all the men involved yes. which like includes remy yosef who plays a fellow who's a student of willem defoe's who's like kind of a teacher's pet-esque but mm-hmm. he starts to like fall for her and then there's willem defoe's lawyer who's played by mark ruffalo and who's also excellent wh- in the role too Dude, like he's such a I good missed, slime ball i missed scumbag mark ruffalo because yeah. we haven't seen him in the like in that mode in a very long time. Oh, he's time. been he's, Marvel squeaky clean. I don't think he was allowed to do this kind of role for a very long time. Well, well Marvel and anything he did outside of it, he's always been like really like nice guy character for mm. a decade, maybe more. Um, the last time I could think he was somewhat of a slime ball other than like shortcuts, but that was even longer was like collateral. And even then he's not like a total slime ball. He's just pretending to be a slime ball because he's undercover. Yeah. Um, or like uh Eternal Sunshine, the Spotless Mind, which was a, yeah, like kind of the same, same era. Yeah. Same year as collateral. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. But like I would say from Zodiac on, he's been pretty squeaky. Yeah, clean. pretty straight laced. Um 
until it was nice seeing him be a total dirtbag. Oh yeah, total dirtbag. Huge dirtbag. He he's he you know he t- you know thinks he's sweeping her off feet, you know because again it's that that morality of like she is a adult. But like perceptibly to Astor, him, and he Astor's, also he doesn't. Yeah. We should also preface by saying that he doesn't know that she has the mind of a child. No, he's brought he has, in as a lawyer to look at a uh, a marriage contract between uh, Rami uh, Yosef, and Rami Yosef, who's uh, Max McCandles. Um, yes, between, and ba- Bella, and Bella Baxter. Yeah, because she, Willem Dafoe, God does not want her to be at, seen out into the world, right? Because she's just you know because of what because she's the mind of a I'm, child in a, a adult the mind body, of a child. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so it, yeah, it's like a marriage certificate to where they basically would be like, never leave the premises of his estate. Right. Um, and then, um, and then Mark Ruffalo meets Bella, um, Duncan Wedderburn, Wedderburn is his character's yes. name. The character names are phenomenal in this movie meets her and then realizes like, you know, it, because she has the mind of a child. So there's no like subtext because children will just blurt out whatever's on their mind so the fact that it's like she's discovered sort of like explicit sexual stuff at an early age but she early mental age but she's an adult woman he's like i need to, to know know um tries to thinks he's sweeping her off her feet and she but she goes on her own accord like wants to go explore the world mm. they're going to lisbon and so Willem Dafoe ultimately, you know, sends her with a little bit of money and, and says, like, go for it. Knocks out Rami Yosef uh, with, like, chloroform. Yeah. So he doesn't remember anything. Um, and, yeah, uh, um, Mark Ruffalo, total, total slime ball. Like, the, the, everything you could think of where it's like he's a boozer, yep. he's a gambler, he's a degenerate, uh, like everything you could possibly think of and he's you know believing that he's this like stud because she's sleeping with him but she doesn't know any better i think she calls right. it like intense jumping or something yeah. like that <laughs> but it's like they're just banging all the time um mm-hmm. like like literally everything and everywhere it's it's insane but it it's it is like a frankenstein story in that like i mean in the original frankenstein of him sort of understanding human interaction when he escapes from Dr. Frankenstein's uh, lab and him like coming across the little girl and being shown sort of the world outside of this, this is what she's experiencing. But like she's experiencing it like first through this open door through sexuality and not just sexuality, but when they're in Lisbon, all indulgences like she's drinking alcohol yep. for the first time she's eating uh, cakes and and steaks and crumpets and all sorts of things and meeting all these sorts of new people and she also still just does not have sort of the faculties like it, it's it's something that comes up a lot in the story of uh this is not what you do in polite society which yeah, is what I was, she's I told. was gonna say that yeah it's what she's and, told and when she starts masturbating for the first time in front of uh like the the, the, the maid the maid yeah at yeah. uh willem dafoe's uh, uh pad uh, of like we don't do that in polite society and when we see her in lisbon she's like eating to the point where she vomits on the floor and then just walks away like she yeah. she doesn't have this uh sort of stopgap in her brain to let her know that that's not what you yeah. do um same with like the dance sequence was i guess the they dance shot like 60 times it's so good um and and you know it ends in a brawl essentially yes. or or the fact that there's a there's a crying baby yeah. at dinner and she like gets up i need to go punch i must baby. go punch that baby and again <laughs> 
<laughs> and starts so walking hard. over with arm cocked, just walking straight <laughs> yeah. towards a baby <laughs> in a high chair. Yes, but you do hear that a lot about the polite society. But I, I, I love that element of like, you know, it's it's somebody experiencing it through sexual awakening. Yes, but also, exp- but also not confined to polite society and what like right. might come to pass if you're not involved right because like later when they go on like the cruise and she meets gerard carmichael's character uh who was great to see him for like a couple scenes Mm -hmm. uh basically saying how he's like a cynic and he's saying how like polite society is like overrated and will like drain you of your life essentially and so it's like she she sort of sticks that to her mind even throughout the movie um yeah we as a species are fucked know it yeah yeah basically and and uh that that carries through for sure yeah um yeah for sure but uh yeah she's learning all these indulgences then she's sort of learning you know she then she meets the cynic and then sort of find you know and then finds you know learns like hey the world is not well, at the same time as meeting the cynic meets the philosopher as well on yes. that same ship yeah who, who's a woman who is now um uh, older in her years and is not had sex with anybody and i think she said 20 years and so somebody who has grown beyond that point that stage that she's at where it's not about the uh indulgences and it's not about the sexual awakening but it's like it's beyond like it becomes something more than that and she introduces her to reading and and discovering something that's beyond herself which she has like a, a great quote about uh ralph waldo uh, ralph waldo emerson she's reading one of his books and she's like emerson has a lot to say about what it means to be a man but it doesn't have anything to say about women I yeah. <laughs> wonder if he didn't know any. It is like, yeah. yeah wonder, yeah. And then Ruffalo proceeds to throw those books yep. continuously right off, off the, the deck. ship <laughs> as he goes to uh, uh, drink more and gamble, gamble, more, yeah, um, gamble, Losing. and then. Uh, oh, but then he wins big. Uh, but that see that seems fantastic. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. Well, and, it's like, oh god, I love. Sorry to cut you off, but like, no, you're good. Before that scene that we get to Ruffalo and the whole like giving the money away, the reason that she does that is, is the the meeting with the cynic, and the cynic being like, "You actually want to know how the world works and what we're doing." She here? shows him shows her slavery essentially. Well, and like people they who... they're in Alexandria and they look off yes. a ledge and they look down into like this town center that's next to this big high end restaurant where they're eating at and there's like destitute people and his line when they're looking over this ledge is like, well, she says like, what is down there? And he says a lot of dead babies. And the shot is slowly zooming in on these people who are, I'm sure if you've seen like photos and like, like wall street journal sort of like photos of, you know, sub-Saharan Africa and, and areas that are like very, very destitute. There are people who are, like malnourished leaning over their knees like so weak they can't even stand and there's literally dead babies Mm. on the ground like curled up fetal position deceased and it's it's a slap in the face because it's it's not unlike our own reality even though it's it's like this very heightened reality that they're presenting in this movie but right to her it's it's as much of a slap in the face as as you or I as we're growing up and we start to move out of adolescence and we start to look around the world ourselves and we see that there is this level of suffering that's happening is that's what's happening and it it freaks her out and it's disgusting and it makes her sick and it makes her weep and it's it, it's very much like 
like holy shit i didn't expect sort of the movie to get so grounded so quickly but it sort of like makes sense for the tone that this movie is is playing with and it's a tricky tone too because yes. like the movie's like in it like which i feel like is just yorgos to a t because it's like the movie like will take those sort of dour sort of slap you back to reality like terms but the movie is also wall-to-wall hilarious at the same time like it's it's an insane tone to sort of pull off but yeah i mean you're right she so but she's at this point she's still not fully grasping sort of everything right and and who really does i think that's ultimately the one of the things the movie gets to is like who can really grasp everything even as an adult um you know, but she wants to donate money to them. So Mark Ruffalo drunkenly passes out with all of his winnings like spread across the room and she gathers it all out and she gives it to like two people, uh, two of the commanding officers to be like, you know, to give these to the poor people. But of course they see her as naive and the world is evil. And so they don't give it to the poor people. They no. keep it and split it amongst themselves. And uh, so Ruffalo not only loses the money, but uh, the, uh, the crew comes in and he's belligerent of course he's an asshole about it and the captain uh one of one of the the members of the deck gives him one in the gut and also says like you don't have sufficient funds so we're gonna drop your ass off at the next stop and you're limited to crew rations until we get to that point jeez and they end up in paris and uh god that whole scene where he's just like calling her the c word over and over again (laughs) on the street and she's like not even like grasping she's just like continuing to like figure like well i'll make my money i'll do somehow i'll get us out of this and he's just like stewing and like swearing and it's like which for me is the it's uh, magical that like that her her uh her inquisitive nature throughout the entire movie no matter how dour the situation gets because like like completely destitute out of money dropped off in a foreign country figure it out i would be shitting my pants i would be mark ruffalo i'd be freaking the fuck out like what do we do where do we go and the fact that she doesn't have this going on in her brain and she's very much like all right we're on to the next thing we got to figure it out uh where are we going what do we do um well i'm gonna go talk to this lady oh this lady says that i can have sex and get paid for it cool Yes. I like having she sex and I like money. Cool. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm up for it. And she goes and does it. Yep. And like that sort of like that inquisitive nature and, and that ability to sort of like roll with the punches is something that I could never, ever do. But it makes her such an interesting character from the perspective of somebody who's discovering the world because you immediately just just from... I'm not being learned myself in that sort of lifestyle. You'd be like, oh, my God, that's so dangerous on so many different levels to be a a sex worker. Just like it's such a dangerous line of work. She shouldn't get into that at all. And she sort of makes the best of it and to some extent, uh, like, enjoys it on a level um, Mm. and, and is able to sort of flip it and turn it and make it work for her and is able to actually make a decent living while doing it and learns a lot about the world, learns a new language, makes new friends. And and like, it's, it's sort of a way of tackling it that makes you look at the world in a new perspective, which I think is sort of the, the way that the movie is sort of trying to frame itself is just like all like, yeah, it's a, it's uh, it's about like understanding the world and understanding of life and like the life that you live is not necessarily the right way to do it. It's not necessarily the wrong way to do it. Everybody is just no. doing it in their own way at their own tempo and we make the best of it with what we have as our lot in life and it's just like 
oh shit yorgos that's beautiful <laughs> it is beautiful and it's a weird twisted like fucked up fairy tale sort of yeah. way but yet it, it but it is it it works it works incredibly well I, I, you know and and uh you know i think and i think a large part of that i mean that goes to everything clicking the place the direction and the writing yes. and the performances are so good across the board um and, and i i would say if there's any um, and I, I love the idea too of like, you know, learning the world for the first time. And it's also like kind of goes into like, it's, it's also like innate in somebody's soul, not necessarily their brain either, because there's a subplot in the movie that's like, you know, it's a little undercooked, I would say, but it's, you know, it's good for a couple like sight gags is like both uh, Willem Dafoe and Rami Yosef get like lonely while mm-hmm. Bella is like exploring the world. And so they're like, well, we're going to find a new vert, you know, experiment, whatever, right. and who's played by Margaret Qualley. Um, who shows up briefly and she's just like a adult like the entire time like she doesn't even remotely advance mentally the way that like bella did in those instances where they're like trying to have her catch a ball mm-hmm. and just, just smack her in the head both times and starts just crying yeah. like child, which is like yeah this all makes sense i guess <laughs> um <laughs> but there's that and then i would also say there's like you know as two as two men, I don't know how much of a case we can make. I feel like there's at least somewhat of a, a feminist bent and not necessarily feminist, oh, sure. you know, entirely, but like owning your own sort of like destiny. And again, not like adhering to polite society. Um, so there's that sort of element to the movie as well. I would say my only other sort of maybe small qualm, but again, I thought the experience of watching this movie was so perfect. And I just, I loved it so much that I was able to let it by. I don't, I don't, it's hard because it's like i don't think the movie comes down on willem dafoe or rami yosef as hard as it probably could but i also think like maybe that also wasn't the point like yes they had they had lustful nature towards bella but at the same time like i mean i guess willem dafoe does say something about like his paternal instinct took over over the any sort of well, like, that and he also needed like an electrical charge the, the beyond like would he be able to survive in order to come so <laughs> yeah so he couldn't even do it regardless <laughs> and so you know i i guess maybe it's that their intentions were better you know than somebody like mark ruffalo but like that's the stuff i get like where i'm like yeah you can go down a rabbit hole and it gets a little thornier than yeah you, yeah like, think about it you know but it's like uh especially because it's like they weren't innocent in all of this stuff but also like they're not as bad as mark ruffalo or uh her bella's i forget her character's name before she victoria something i thought victoria something but then we're introduced to her husband previously uh which we we discovered really quickly why she might have uh, did what she did in in a previous life um who's a total nightmare uh which i should have called because i knew christopher abbott was in the movie and I know Christopher, I've made a joke on the podcast before that Christopher Abbott is the, the quintessential 21st century beta cuck in movies. Like, he almost always plays that character. And so, like, when it introduced to be like, oh, yeah, okay, you you are being cucked by Rami Yosef and any other person that she slept with, which is a lot in this movie. I was like, I should I should have known. I should have known when I saw your name in the credits that that's who you played. It took me a long time, a long time to place it where it's just like, where did I fucking know this guy? It was Possessor. And I was just like, wow. Yep. Possessor, uh, Sanctuary. Uh, there was another uh, Piercing, mm. which is like, you know, he, he plays a cuck in every single one of those movies. <laughs> He's going to be the Wolfman in uh, oh. Lee Winnell's Wolfman. Okay. Replacing Ryan Gosling. Um, oh, right. I, I don't know that, that it's probably either a cost issue or a uh, post SAG strike 
oh. he's got something else going. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why um, either could be a possibility. But um, I, I, no disrespect. I like Christopher Abbott. I think he's a really good actor. I just, yeah. I just find it. I funny think he's fine in the role as well. I do too. He think he's great here. Oh God, he's he's plays a really good piece of shit. Piece of shit yeah, <laughs> he's a huge piece of shit. Yeah, he's great. Like I was like, oh, this is sc-. like at first it was kind of like all right, like, where is this going sort of thing? And then, like, he announces his intentions at the dinner of, like, threatening death to a servant just because the soup wasn't done a certain way. I was like, oh, yeah. this is dangerous. No wonder she jumped off a of bridge. Like, you don't want to say that, but you're like, I can see why she made this decision. Well, and he has several lines that are very important. I mean, I think yeah. when they are getting out of the uh, carriage and he pulls a gun first, he's like, uh, I'm, I'm fearing that there's a mutiny amongst the staff and he like jumps out like has a gun in his hand it's like wow okay like this is darkly funny but it's setting up what we're doing here but like uh, he has one of the most important lines in the entire movie where they, they uh, show he's talking to a doctor who has some weird like clit scissors where he's like oh, I'm yeah. like oh yeah I want you to remove my wife's clit so then she doesn't have like sexual promiscuity she's not driven by a sexual urge and then I will get her pregnant again. And so then she'll have my child. And she overhears this. Com- oh, shit. Ooh, like, like, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's some Cronenberg shit. Which is like an, sure. another, it, it's like an unfortunate thing about our reality is that the, uh, uh, you know, clitoral severance is like an actual thing that does happen and it's really fucked up. But the, mm-hmm. the, she overhears this conversation, confronts him, and it's basically like, I would rather you shoot me in the heart than. You know, uh, yeah. you do that to me and uh, I continue on and bear your child. And he has a line where he's saying, like, f- like for men, our sexual urgences and the demons that drive us to have sex is our curse. And that's our cross to bear, you know, sort of thing. And, and it's something that men struggle with their entire lives in order to keep that beast under control. But I am a conqueror. And I, I, I conquer and I take property and you are my property and I don't want you to be driven by your sexual promiscuity. So I'm going to take that option away from you because I own you. And it's such a dark and unfortunately like real perspective that some people have that like yes. Bella in this movie as somebody who discovers at a young age sexual urges and sexual freedom even though she's too young uh mentally to really register this before she's thrust into a world of adults which is also just unfortunately a reality for women is that they are forced to grow up faster than boys are um boys are you know boys will be boys and they are given their time to fuck around and make mistakes and do that shit well into adulthood before they're expected to mature and uh, handle their shit whereas women are expected to get that shit locked down in their early teens if not earlier than that and it's really fucked up so that's sort of what the movie is mirroring and mimicking here but then even beyond into that here we have a full-grown adult who is supposed to have all this you know ownership over their own id and, and everything that's around them and they are still grasping and controlling and trying to hold this woman as property um and his soul like his pitch to her of being like nope you're not allowed to be your own person and make these decisions for yourself. I'm going to do that for you as your owner, as like not husband, as your partner, as your owner, basically, um, is 
uh, like it's it's like it's a gross sort of thesis for the undercurrent of the entire movie is, is this is the polite society that you were told to adhere to from very early on yes and 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 don't and don't. then and fuck ultimately it. To, fuck to, to, to not yeah fuck it. exactly uh which is the lesson of the movie rightfully <laughs> rightfully so because <laughs> uh yeah because then he doesn't he, it doesn't end up well for no, him no. For, for doing so <laughs> ends up well for us the yeah. audience uh that reveal is it's pretty great. gratifying yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly i was like what an end i it was weird because i went at a like a 10 a.m matinee to go see this movie and i i and it wasn't like it wasn't full but like there were way more people at 10 a.m on a friday than you would have expected like oh, good you know, probably like 30 40 people in the audience and like there were parts where I'm like, why is nobody else laughing? Why am I the only one laughing? <laughs> this is funny, damn it. Oh yeah. But oh man, yeah. It's uh God. I need to go watch this again. I was gonna try and see it again before we recorded. Um and Oh, I just watched I it last night it. and I already want to watch it again. Oh, I can't yeah, I can't wait till it's out on <laughs> on physical media and to own it and watch it i'm gonna watch it at least two times. more times and like it's a it's an over two hour long movie but this is one of yes, those movies that long. i i know is going to mature and and just be better amongst like uh, upon repeated watches because like we yeah. we've only really talked about like plot and performance and story elements but like the 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 design like the oh, the, the cinematography and the score the score the sco- so good. The score is fucking incredible, which I I pulled up, uh, and then I'm an idiot. Jerskin Fendrix. Jerskin Fendrix. Thank you. Yeah. Oh man, it's so good. It, uh, uh, that um, phenomenal. Everything is everything is clicking on all cylinders. Yeah. And the only thing I would say, you know, because I I had a couple friends ask me, um, who aren't who haven't loved Yorgos Lanthimos's movie, they're like, how like Yorgos is it? And I was like, dude. It's him off the fucking capital chain. Y. So, yeah. Like, yeah. So like, if you don't like his movies, then this probably isn't going to be <laughs> for you, but maybe it will be. I don't know. But I, I, I mean, I love, I, I told you at the beginning this... where we were talking about Yorgos's movies that I was not a big fan of the killing of a sacred deer. And yeah. this movie is the one that's just like, I got to go back and watch Killing of a Sacred Deer again because I must have missed something. Because if this is like the the Yorgos penultimate, like like if this is his id on screen re- fully realized, then I fucked up and I missed something in Killing of a Sacred Deer because <laughs> I love this movie. Yeah, I loved this movie too. Um, it's it's one of my favorites of the year. It's it's up there. Um, fantastic. Like like I said, please. <laughs> because nobody's making movies this weird on this scale right yeah i don't think like like it is nobody's doing it and and it's just like it and it's not just that it's weird it's awesome that it's as weird but it's like it's fucking great and there's a lot to think about it's meticulously designed like it's got like a terry gilliam sort of like look to it but like utilized better than a lot of terry gilliam movies other than like you know i was gonna gonna say demented dr seuss yeah, 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 there's a there's a definitely that too. Um definitely definitely a movie for perverts uh, <laughs> like like us. So uh like but it's it's <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's it is the sickos yes like meme a hundred percent. Um but uh if it, it's it's great. And so yeah, please watch it. Absolutely. It is the movie I would recommend people go see the most currently out in the Currently, yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
I guess maybe Zone of Interest would be the other one, but it's also not widely available at the moment. It's oh. mostly January coming out to like wide release. Okay. So well, um, we got another January new releases episode coming up, so I guess that's when I I'll guess watch it. So yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, any other thoughts on on poor things before we start to wrap this up? Uh, I mean, I, I guess just like congratulations all around. To, like, like yeah. it's it's one of the most like meticulously crafted movies I've seen in recent memory. Um, so I mean, like just from a craft standpoint, if you are a fan of storytelling, if you are a, a fan of filmmaking, even if the movie isn't your bag, there is something to love about it. Yeah. I, I would agree. Uh, there's just, there's so much. I, I, I don't see, I mean, I guess I maybe could see somebody hating it, but it's like, if you like movies, I can't imagine somebody being like saying it's meritless. Yeah, it's not bereft of anything uh, to appreciate. Like, yeah, there's something there there's for you. Absolutely. So yeah, please go see it. It's fantastic. Um, you won't regret it. Maybe you will. I don't know, but you shouldn't. No, you should still you support should. it yes please do it's doing pretty well too i think as far as like like these type of like mini major like crossover movies Mm -hmm. are concerned i think it's doing pretty well it's it's doing better than some others so that's for sure good um that might be in wider release and i was doing better than ferrari ferrari's not Mm. doing super hot but weird it's also not very good oh i mean I wanted I, I, I say that with no joy because I love Michael Mann. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. I was of course excited to see it because uh but I was just like I don't see any really like other than like the visceral elements of the movie, like the sound design's great and all that Michael Mann stuff as is, you expect. You know, but right, yeah. As you would expect. But I was like, man, other than Penelope Cruz, I was like, ah, there's nothing to this movie that I'm really grasping onto. Right. So unlike poor things where I'm just like everyone's coming and firing on cylinder all cylinders. So uh yeah. Well that's our that's our latest release roundup. Um Woo! I mean, I guess I saw a couple other movies, but I think things you probably aren't going to see. Period. I saw Wonka. Uh, uh, yeah. It's all right. It's better than the Tim Burton one, which I know is not a very high bar. Right. But, uh, <laughs> Tim it, Timothy Chalamet is really good in the role, and uh, I would say the movie is basically Paddington, but with a Willy Wonka skin. Okay. Because uh, it's the director of the two Paddington movies. Ah. So it it it. I was like. This just feels like Paddington, only with a different character, um, which is perfectly fine. Kids will like it. Kids will also like Migration, which is the mm. latest Illumination movie. And it doesn't suck. Illumination made a movie oh that doesn't suck. God. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's not, like, amazing, but, like, I, you know, my son loved it. Sure. And my oldest son loved it. And I was like, you know, it's cute. It's fine. Um, so... That's what like else do you ask things. for out of a, a animated movie by Illumination, especially? Yeah, exactly. And it's like under ninety minutes too. Like Hell yeah, it's it's perfect. I feel like there was a couple other things I saw. Oh, I saw the new Color Purple uh, oh. the remake of the Color Purple. I haven't seen the original. I, like, I just watched it for the first time, and it's good. Oh, okay. it's got. I mean, it's not perfect. No disrespect to Steven Spielberg, who's you know who directs the ever living shit out of the movie, as Spielberg tends to do. Yeah. I do think his perspective is a little limited given the subject matter of the movie, but it, you know, but he directs the the hell out of it and the performances are incredible in the original. And this new one um, was, was just a bit of a disappointment. Mm. I think uh, it's, it's based on the Broadway musical. Ah. So it's the musical version okay. of it. And I don't know. Anytime there's not a musical sequence in the movie, like 
they're almost shot for shot, scene by scene, sometimes line by line, the Spielberg one. And the cast has pipes, but none of them live up to Whoopi Goldberg or Oprah or Danny Glover or Margaret Avery. Mm-hmm. Like none of them live up to it. Like in a non, in a non-musical moment in the movie. So, so it, just, does it feel like one of those like why did we a little do this? bit? Yeah, a little bit. Like, and also it was I was a little disappointed because I did find the revival of Broadway that like the roles that are played by Fantasia Barino and Taja P Henson, um, who like again they have pipes, but you know the the non singing parts leave a little bit more to be desired sure. found out those roles were played respectively by uh cynthia Rivro and jennifer hudson so i'm like why didn't you go cast them in your movie right <laughs> two act two actors who could both sing and act like huh. i don't know i thought that was weird Odd. i was like man yeah. i want to see that movie with them in it that would be fan that would be way better weird. Um, okay which is also weird because the uh the uh danny glover roles played by coleman domingo who's who was in the Candyman mm-hmm. remake uh and he was in zola um he can be menacing like he's menacing in those movies and like danny glover just sees with like menace in the original mm. and i just i knew early in the movie when i wasn't feeling coleman domingo being menacing an actor who once again can be menacing i was like uh-oh i don't know if this movie is gonna work <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> um so yeah that one's a disappointment but i guess uh, uh, one I did like, uh, I saw Maestro. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Bradley Cooper, uh, the the Leonard Bernstein. Which speaking of Spielberg, I think he produced it, and so did Scorsese. Oh shit, um, produced it. Bradley Cooper directed it, and stars as Leonard Bernstein. It's solid. Like you know, it's Cooper has the juice as a d- director. Like uh, Stars Born is not a fluke. Like the dude can direct uh his butt off um i just i think i feel like when i left the movie i'm like i don't feel like i know anything more about leonard bernstein than i already knew but like it's but it's solid yeah. and it's on netflix right. so it's worth checking it's out. on my list i gotta get to it it's worth watching and then i think i mentioned earlier i also caught up with the hunger games the prequel the ballad of songbird and stakes it's pretty solid like if you have seen and like these movies if you don't care then you know probably just skip over it but uh i i've liked fair amount of the movies and uh I, I thought this one did really well so um i just realized before we sign out there's one other new release movie i did watch and i already forgot about it <laughs> oh good sign good sign <laughs> I, I watched rebel moon part one a child of fire the latest film from Zack snyder on netflix why uh, do not contribute I, to the algorithm ryan i i uh, but i did though i i did that's bad. how we get another alita do- battle angel oh wait no that was james cameron uh, wasn't it uh, he produced it. Bob Rod directed. Bob Rod. Okay. Yep. Alita Battle Angel is what was it? a thousand oh, Sucker times Punch. better. That's the other bullshit Ooh. one he made. Sucker Punch is terrible. Yeah. And like I say, this as somebody who's a Snyder agnostic. Like I don't understand the overwhelming love or the overwhelming hate for the guy. Like he's made some ambitious movies that more often than not narratively and uh, exceed his grasp of what he can deliver. Um, but I've liked some of his movies. Um, but like, oh God, this is probably his worst since Sucker Punch, though. Oh, Dear shit. Lord, this movie is terrible. Oh, no. And it's like, it's not offensively bad in the way that Sucker Punch is, because Sucker Punch's subject matter made me like, like I was like, this is bad, and also this feels exploitative, and I'm extra angry mm-hmm. about it. There's not really that, though there is some of that in this movie, but like, it's, but I, I was just like, it's a part one, 
and I, it ended and I'm like I don't think I'm going to watch the part 2 I don't care is part like, 2 even going to get made oh yeah because they they shot it all at the same time so it's coming out in April and it's Netflix like it doesn't matter like content it doesn't matter what these things got it's content, content. it doesn't matter yay it's so derivative and so just like and, and also the other thing it looks it's not as good as Army of the Dead, clearly. I actually liked Army of the Dead, which I know we talked about on a previous episode. That's the one in Las it, Vegas? Yes, uh. but he was his own DP again. And it does look a little better from a visual tech standpoint. But, like, I really don't like how he shoots his own movies. I'm mm. like, dude, go get Larry Fong, man. Like, <laughs> he's, your greatest, he's your greatest asset in your movies. <laughs> like, your best-looking movies are shot by Larry Fong. So go back and get him. Uh, but it's got that shallow depth of field thing again that he did with army of the dead like that was the one thing i really hated mm-hmm. about that movie um and uh, there's a lot of that in this movie too and but this movie is also just like just derivative of star wars and anything else you could think of any generic sci-fi insert here so oh. um yeah don't don't watch it like it don't i wasn't cool. planning on it i know you weren't i'm talking to our <laughs> listeners don't watch it don't contribute like like I said, I I, I have I, I support original sci-fi movies, but like, which which and like leads me to see these. But like I didn't really like the creator all that much. I would recommend watching the creator if Oof. you're gonna go because the movie at least looks phenomenal. The creator is immaculate from a technical and production design. Hmm. Its story's just kind of eh, it's okay, but like it looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, so I would point people in that direction. But I mean, Gareth Edwards is kind of like Zack Snyder in that way, where it's like he's a very great visual stylist, but storytelling. He, yeah, he needs somebody to, to guide him through. Well, I mean, his best movie was rewritten like 80% by somebody else, which is Rogue One. Yep. So, uh, so but uh, but it looks great. Like, And it's cost less than $100 million, the creator did. Like, It looks every bit. It's money's on screen. I'll say that much. The money's on screen. But uh, anyway, let's get out of here. Um, before we wrap this episode up, we have to tease our next week pick, um, which we are, uh, I guess we have two to, to do because um, they both center kind of around the same subject. <laughs> Looks like here. Um, we're going to be talking about two different weeks of like New Year's set movies. Um, the first one is my picks and I'm just doing New Year's set thrillers. They're just three thrillers that are set around New Year's. And then the week after that are your picks. So I'll let you, you tease that. Yeah. Tease that out. Well, and like you said, we're, we're foregoing the Patreon. Uh, it's all going to be main feed from now on. So just find us on all your popular podcatchers. But uh, my next episode after Ryan's, of course, is going to be biblical apocalypse thrillers. So we're going to stay in the thriller realm, but it's going to be uh, specifically of the Christian variety. It'll be interesting. I, I'm actually really excited for that. Mainly because one of them's one of them's a movie that you saw and urged me to watch. And, and it's a and, banger. And it's a banger. And then one you have not watched yet, but I've been urging you to watch for like a decade. Yeah. So um, and then the third one I still to... haven't watched, but I watched the trailer for it, and I'm <laughs> fucking hyped. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm excited for that too. It's gonna be a good episode. Oh, yeah. Looking for it. Looking forward to it. But in the meantime, you can find and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and many others. And you can follow us on Instagram at the Good Bad What, or email us at the Good the Bad the What at gmail.com. Our logo comes from just. Our logo comes from Michelle Parkos and our theme music comes from Paco, whose portfolio on SoundCloud Lake you can find the show notes respectively. Chris, where can more people find you online? You can find me on Letterboxd at C underscore T H O M. 
And you can follow me on Letterboxd at Ryan underscore Oliver. You could follow me on Threads at Riley90. That's R-Y-O-L-I-E 90. Or you could follow me on Blue Sky Social at Riley No 90. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with New Year's Thrillers. We'll be back the week after that with Biblical Apocalypse Thrillers. And uh, since the New Year's will happen in between these episodes, have a safe and happy New Year, and we'll see you in 2024.